tonight on Rogue Padron, 20,000 Leagues Under the Provisional Council, Laura tattletailing to mom, Patches, you don't even go here, <laughs> Laura doesn't know, dang it. Oh, you almost did it. So close. <laughs> Almost. Lori doesn't know what you get when you assume things. And the <laughs> chapter we've all been waiting for, a.k.a. Dr. Corin's Love Center. <laughs> yeah. And our first spinoff podcast has officially been created. <laughs> yes. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six standing by. Rogue Seven standing by. Rogue 3 standing back. Okay, I'm ready now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Should we um, cast to the pod? We're casting the pod all night. Or like for the next hour and a half. (laughs) Like in the next 90 minutes, whatever. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Professional. Professional podding the cast. (laughs) Time to be professional. So many balls. (laughs) (laughs) So professional. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Mission 8 of Rogue Padron. You're in for a... Probably hilarious show tonight, but before we get into it, quick reminder of your hosts. We have Danny, who if he was on the beach with Rogue Padron, he would be burying members of the squad and making them into different sand animals. (laughs) Wow, that's quite the laugh. (laughs) That's ominous laugh. We have Heath, Rogue 3, who would be working at a snow cone stand with Tycho and make him walk around shirtless to get customers. <laughs> oh my yep. god, I love snow cones. Oh, Heath, I'll take them all. Right. Okay. Heath, I, would, I would buy all of your snow cones. Wait. <laughs> wow. I already just bought them. No, Denny. <laughs> I'm gonna fight you. you. No, Denny, you said you would take them. Seth said she'll buy them. So I will be the leader. I choose Seth. <laughs> Not surprising at all. (laughs) (laughs) We have Rogue Seven, Seth, who would challenge everyone to swimming competitions, and she'd win, and therefore, Corn would keep challenging her for rematches, much to his disdain. Oh, that's amazing. I love that I beat Corin. Of course you do. (laughs) And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I'm just getting hell tail on the beach, ignoring all you troublemakers. (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah. So someone else watch the kids. Yep. <laughs> Mom, you can watch the kids tonight. Dad's got to get tan. Okay. Hey, I have a question. What Rogue One is in December, but I haven't seen a trailer for it. Like, is this even real? What is Disney and Lucasfilm thinking? What is going on? Has this just been a group hallucination? Yeah, like we just made this up, right? Like, surely we would have gotten some marketing for it by now. It's like halfway through March, for goodness sakes. No. (laughs) No. So, uh, I feel like I've said this before. We got really spoiled with TFA when we got that teaser in November, more than a year before it came out. Um, If you exclude that teaser that we got sort of out of the blue, we didn't see anything else from TFA until April 
of the year that it came out. So for people to, in March, now be like, oh my god, I'm so worried about Rogue One, I haven't seen anything, like, it's too early to market a movie for general audiences this far out. Like, yes, I know that as fans we want to see as many things as possible as early as possible, but dropping a teaser trailer right now for Rogue One your average moviegoer is going to forget about it within five months and they're going to need to see something else. Like it's, it's just too soon. And I know some people are worried that like rogue rogue one is a different movie and it's not chronologically after TFA, which is the movie that just came out. So they need to be educated. And I mean, it's something that you can do within five seconds in the trailer, like, Oh, 30 years before new hope and the destruction of the death star. Like it's not, it's not going to be difficult for, Lucasfilm to describe when this movie is taking place and people are going to get it and Disney has the best marketing people on planet earth and they don't need many extra months to market something just because it is set before something else that already happened this has been I agree completely. reality checks with Heath D. Williams and now thank you I also scheduled Padre. oh sorry you want to add something Seth <laughs> How dare you? I would also like to add that um, I don't remember where, but I saw it the other day that Disney said they were going to aggressively mark the Star Wars story films. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think once they start marketing it, like they're not going to start really early on and aggressively market it for like a year because that is a bit much. People get sick of it, just like people are kind of sick of the Civil War marketing by now. Um, the They will start marketing it, yeah, probably around April or May or something, and then they will go for it completely. And we probably won't be able to escape it at that point. Like, it'll be everywhere. And I'm looking forward to it so much. And it's kind of nice having this between TFA and Rogue One to just chill out and just enjoy the Star Wars we have before we get totally overwhelmed again. TFA is still in theaters, and people are already whining that there's not a trailer for the next movie. It's absurd. Like, we are, like, still in the life cycle of TFA, and that's going to go to and a little bit past when it's released on Blu-ray, because that's going to have its whole own marketing campaign with that, and it just wouldn't make sense for them to be trying to market a Blu-ray for TFA and this movie that's not coming out until December at the same time. They're going to let TFA fully wrap up, and then towards the end of April, right before Civil War hits theaters, which is Disney's other big movie of the year, they're going to release a teaser, and it will be attached to Civil War, and everyone can calm down. Can I uh, flash back to September of last year when... Oh my god, like, can we not? This is literally the exact same thing. Everyone was so upset that we hadn't gotten the trailer for The Force Awakens yet. And then uh, it hit on October 19th, and literally within two weeks, people were complaining about how there was too much marketing for The Force Awakens. Yep. So what? Like, let's just once again stay calm, because you're going to feel overwhelmed by it eventually, I promise you. And it's weird to me that these sort of clamorings for a trailer are always masked behind this argument of oh the general public needs to know about this it's like no you want to see it as a fan like that's the reason you want a trailer right now like you don't care at at all about whether the general public sees this movie really like it's just you being a fan wanting to see parts of the movie and that's totally fine and totally normal but it ain't gonna happen for a little while so let's all take a breath Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Heath, for that rant. I think it was much needed. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> all right. Do we all feel cleansed? I feel for, so cleansed. Let's all now. clear our minds. Until I log back onto Twitter tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Well, that was good. That gave me a nice break before we go into the chapter discussion. Yes. Now we have some very serious chapter discussions to get to, I'm sure. Very serious. Super serious. (laughs) Super serious. No, to be fair, this first chapter is quite serious. We have Borsk um, Fela coming to meet Akbar, which in general is kind of unusual, as we've seen before, that there are definitely two two, um, people who do not get along. So this first chapter was so serious that we had an Akbarism within the first paragraph. We had two Akbarisms just within like that first page. And it's, I suppose the tide is high, so I cannot escape it. And if you assume bitter water, you'll not taste the sweet, which I like very much. And maybe that's what I'll use my Akbar tattoo. (laughs) It's so good. It's pretty good. Akbar, you kind of get a little bit of a monologue from him, uh, internal monologue, talking about how he doesn't want military power. He's never wanted military powder power. He rose to being... <laughs> I don't think he wanted military powder either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's something else. He doesn't want to get dried out. He's nope. the one pound. <laughs> he rose to become, you know, the leader of the entire fleet due to his intimate knowledge of imperial doctrines and due to Mon Calamari's huge contribution to the Rebel fleet, he wants to retire when, basically, after Coruscant has been liberated and the Empire has, like, really been defeated. He's not in it for really the long haul. He's not in it for glory. He just wants to do what's right because, you know, his people have been enslaved. He knows what it feels like, and he wants to prevent it from happening to to others. Which makes his appearance in The Force Awakens really tragic. Yeah, he never gets to retire. <laughs> he never got out. Empire was never defeated. I think, though, it, they do discuss a little bit that Leia went and like had to personally right. talk Akbar into coming back into the Resistance because he was probably, you know, chilling in the wave somewhere, <laughs> sipping the Mon Cal version of Pina Coladas or Mon Calarita. Yeah, that, um, that yeah. is the calendar page I want. Oh my god, that's so good. I'm going to make would... a Mon Calorita. Oh my god. We'll yeah. do that at our next rogue party. Celebration. It's going to happen. Yep. It's going to happen. Until Corrin shows up and drinks like ten of them. <laughs> Corrin! <laughs> Ruins everything. So the Corrin cosplayer turns up, just drinks all our drinks. Yeah. <laughs> so... Something that I didn't really catch or pay attention to in the first book was that Cray Cray Crayfig died at Borlaeus. I probably just totally glazed over it because I don't care for him much. But <laughs> I a- kind of like I keep forgetting about it. Like they kind of mention it in the book. I'm like, oh yeah, he's dead, and then I forget, and then they mention it again. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah but it hasn't really had an impact on anything. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. like he, he just, just kind of faded away. Yeah, stage right. <laughs> I mean, they mention it here because they're trying to make the point that the Bothans no longer have a strong military leader, so Fela has to be on Akbar's good side because all of the military plans are going to go through Akbar. So when Fela comes in, he's being quite considerate to Akbar, you know, meeting him at home one, as well as like keeping the lights down low. And Akbar, of course, is super suspicious of this because that's not how it works. And we find out that last week, Warlord Zinj showed up and bombarded Nokovisor, which is the Rogue Squadron's home base. And the damage wasn't too bad, but the barracks got hit, like, pretty severely. 
they still had X-Wings to fly when the rogues come home, but they lost a lot of their support staff. Fela thinks that Zinj is becoming too big of a threat and the Alliance can't continue fighting two different wars. So his recommendation is to have a large strike at Coruscant as soon as possible. He believes that Isar doesn't have... Isar doesn't think that the Alliance has the ability for a decisive attack and she's not prepared for it. Which, Akbar's like, if you think Isard isn't prepared, then... You know, you're not doing your homework. But he doesn't disagree with Fela's plan. He's gotten reports from Wedge and the other operatives that the people of Coruscant can be united, at least enough to disrupt and distract while the Alliance makes their play. So he's asked Wedge for a plan, a timetable to get those shields down. If Wedge can't do it within, like, the allotted very short amount of time that they have, we actually find out that the interdictor Black Asp has defected and joined the Alliance, which is pretty cool. So now the Alliance, for the first time ever, has an interdictor cruiser. Did we know someone on the Black Asp, or we just knew of it? We, well, it was the one that has shown up a couple times in the books. So we didn't actually, like, meet any of the people, but we had seen the ship a couple times as the one that's bothered the rogues. Oh, that's right. It's, like, the very first chapter of this book. Mm-hmm. What Corrin's many, one of Corrin's many almost near-death experiences. Right, yeah. yeah. And it was it was in uh, the first book as well. It was the one that pulled them out of hyperspace while they were on their way. Right. And that's how, remember, Lord did a bunch of math and figured out where they were? <laughs> I, I don't remember mm. that Lord did a bunch of math, but <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I can assume that that happened. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Let me get out my TI-83 and find the rogues. Right. <laughs> so now with the Black Asp rechristened as the Corsica Rainbow, the alternative plan is that the Corsica Rainbow will go ahead to Coruscant and kind of wait in the shadows, and then it will pull the fleet out of hyperspace so the shields are somehow null and void, or it's a super huge surprise. I wasn't really sure what that was going to do. I don't really get spaceships. More but... importantly, the Corsica Rainbow? Like, yeah. what, suddenly there's gay agenda in my Star Wars books? What is going on here? <laughs> you bet <laughs> they're shoving it down our throat. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, I'm not a homophobe or anything, but just, like, let's be realistic here, you know? Unbelievable. Last week it was the left-hand agenda. This <laughs> yeah. week... So many agendas. diversity. I can't handle it. My little yeah. brain can't handle it. It makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> um, just so you so, all know, we were being ironic for that whole yes, section. I, I feel like... That's obvious if you've listened to us before. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I am yes. I am bisexual, so I'm not going... Yeah. Well, right, but, I mean, that's one thing, but to have the gay agenda show up in Star Wars, like... That's even, one thing, but to you, be it... To I be mean, I have a, a gay friend, book. so, like, I would not... Like, you just don't want to... Oh my gosh, Jamie, stop right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have straight friends. I don't hate straight people. Appreciate it. <laughs> you might. It's fine. <laughs> So Fela will take the plan to Mon Mothma, but with both of them backing it, it's surely going to pass with the rest of the Provisional Council. So there's that serious chapter for you. So I was confused because 
Akbar's had all defenses up, and then Fela came in and was really courteous, and then they agreed on a thing, and then Fela left. Yep. Yeah, this was the first time I found a Bothan to be reasonable. Yeah. I'm worried there's a hidden agenda here. Um, like, this is probably the last agenda. time you're going to find Fela. Yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> um, when I saw, when it, like he appeared, I was like, oh god, here we go. I was expecting Akbar to like present his plan and Fela to be like, no, we should do this really dumb thing that's going to result in a lot of death instead. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happened. And so I was very pleased about that. Right. Well, and that's that's a thing that, you know, Borsk is very good at what he does, which is politics and power play and manipulation. So although he's not overtly manipulating Akbar here, he does know... Like, he knew exactly what plan he could sell to Akbar, And he knew that this plan would have Akbar on his side. So he's playing it in the long run here. There are definitely going to be things down the line where Fela shows more of his true colors. But for right now, this is in his best interest. So thanks for being nice for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, it was a refreshing change of pace for a Bothan. Right. Didn't kill anybody. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't put anyone in danger. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so in the next chapter, we go back to precious, precious lore, who oh, once God. again misreads the situation. That is one way we could describe him. <laughs> T- typical lore. <laughs> He's angry that Derricot went over to Invisec to obtain experiment subjects himself which broke all of the protocol, and he immediately injected them with the newest strain of Kratos. Lore is angry because he doesn't get to have any useful information out of any of the subjects because they know they're going to die and they have no reason to cooperate. (laughs) Which, thanks, Lore. That's fair. Yeah, it's fair, but also, like, come on, Lore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this isn't really his fault in this circumstance. No, not at all. But, I mean, the thing is that it's not that he doesn't want them injected. It was just, you should have waited so I could question slash torture them, and then you can inject them with a deadly, deadly virus. Yeah. And I mean, rather, he is an imperial, so his priorities aren't going to be in the right place entirely. It's, it's very true. And like, He's rather than person. confronting Derricot himself, probably, he just runs to Isard and being like, aren't you going to reprimand him? It's such a temper tantrum. He's like, <laughs> it's like I wanted to torture his bigger brother. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's Kylo Ren and Hux and Snoke. And Snoke's <laughs> just like, cut it out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't man. care if he doesn't have the droid. <laughs> I started like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I'm kind of ruling an empire right now. <laughs> I'm competent. <laughs> and Isard, of course, is like, I don't care. The most important thing is the Kratos virus. So I don't care about any information that you could get. There's other ways to get information. He needs to be incubating these people. And Isard is aware of Warlord Zinj's attack on the Rebels, and she also knows that this attack means that the Rebels' attack of Coruscant is going to be pushed up as soon as possible. So Kratos has to be ready, 
or her plan isn't going to work. If, you know, people get sick too late, then it's not going to be the same situation that the rebels are going to find themselves in. Or if they get sick too early, then it's not going to be the same situation that they're going to find each other in. So it's a very delicate plan that she has. Um, so right now, the incubation period is two weeks. So Lore has to make sure the rogues don't do anything to bring the shields down for at least two weeks, preferably a month. So that's his one job, which is just to make sure that nobody else screws up. So we're definitely going to have a moment sometime in the next couple of weeks where we go, you had one job, Kirtan Lore. Basically, yes. <laughs> because he's going to get distracted by Corrin Horn. He's so obsessed with Corrin. Oh my god. And we see it. Almost and- as obsessed as Corrin is with Corrin Horn. <laughs> Almost. So we see now he goes and he actually has Zekka Thine as a prisoner. And he's telling Thine that he's going to be his eyes and ears in the Alliance in their super secret meetings. And that he is going to give Lore information on their plans. Of course Thine is all pompous and, oh, you can't make me do anything. You're not my real dad. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's like that you're not my dad vine have you all seen that yeah 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 it's it's really good (laughs) Lore threatens to release information to the rest of black sun about how fine used to be Lore's snitch back on course back on corillia and ended up bringing about black sun's end on coruscant so of course Black Sun will do much, much worse things than Lore or Cornhorn could ever do to him. So that's enough of a motivation. And Thine, of course, blames Corrin for this whole situation. And Lore gives him the okay to kill him if he sees him. So not that surprising. We head back to Corrin for the next chapter. And Corrin leaves the other rogues in their Ithorian apartment complex. And he ends up in a... Where the Athorians all group together because that's just the way they like to be. Aww. It is. That's how their lives are. They're so nice. Flowering and friendly. And loving Mother Earth. Why do they hate other species so much? (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's not just Danny getting up and leaving. (laughs) Goodbye. <laughs> Danny out. You don't have an answer, Danny. <laughs> no, of course I have an answer. They, it's like when the Irish immigrants came to America, right? And they formed communities together because they knew each other and they had a common bond. And and because the rest of the world was like constantly discriminating against them, there's probably signs in all the Coruscant businesses that say no Ithorians need apply. You're not wrong. Yeah, that's a good answer. I, I, I Thank you for so schooling too. us, Danny. <laughs> well done. Social justice authorian. <laughs> yes. That should be your new name, Danny. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> so Corin, unfortunately, back to Corin. He waits at a motel for a couple days until Reem comes and gets him, and she ends up taking him to the safe house he wrecked. 
And of course, Corin's like, "What? How do you know it was me?" And, like, and he's like, "Oh, I've been to the safe. Like, I've been here. I threw a speeder through the window." And she's like, "Yeah, good for you." We all almost died. <laughs> right. Thanks for that. <laughs> but glad you had a nice ride. Thumbs up. Right. Thanks. Corin explains to her that Inyuri went back to headquarters to find to find Fleury Voru. I'm never going to get used to saying that. Corin and Erisi have to be quarantined from each other because no one knows the extent of what has been leaked to Imperials. Corin has no direct way to reach the rogues, and he can only do so through Inyuri or through the alien combine. Rima lets us know that there's been no world, no word on Errol yet. Their reports say that a group of Solstons were let off, but there's no way to confirm anything in the firefight that happened. Yep, yep, but no along, one's, yeah, no one's seen or heard it. Corin, of course, asked to speak to Wedge. He needs to tell him about Tycho. And Corin is 100% convinced that Tycho is a spy and that Kirtan Lore has all of the information on their teams and their missions. And he thinks that Tycho is selling them out and is going to go abscond to like some faraway planet to live out the rest of his days in lush peace. His solution to this situation is just probably to like beat up Tycho and then get the heck out of Coruscant. I think he's wrong. I think so he's very wrong. Because... It also doesn't make sense that Tycho could actually have all of the mission briefings because when you think about the level of security that Tycho is under already... Right, he's, not, he's not allowed to have anything. He's not allowed to have anything, yeah. much less nobody knew their separate missions on on Coruscant. Like, Wedge gave them packets, but he never got to read them. Right. Nobody knew until they all ended up together. So there's no way that Tycho, under his very strict security, would be like, oh yeah, this is what everybody's doing. Yeah, but you Only guys, know Tycho's life is more tragic than Corrin's, so obviously Tycho's up to no good. Obviously. He Ugh. must be a criminal because he lives in the now. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> the worst part of town I mean, all, now. <laughs> all Tycho would know is that the, all of like Rogue Squadron is gone. Like, right. That, that that's fairly useful information considering like it's not that hard to figure out anyways. Right. Like he would know that they're on Coruscant, but I really think that's maybe it. But he wouldn't know any details about how they were brought in, what their missions were, who was paired with who, anything like that. So he'd be pretty useless to Kirtan Lore. So Rima finally comes back for Corrin after another couple days and leads him to the headquarters to meet Wedge. Wedge pokes fun at Corrin for sending that speeder bike through the window because Wedge is, you know, a little beat up. They can't get access to Bacta and Invasec, so he has to heal the old-fashioned way. Corin, of course, just idiotically replies with, oh, if I had known, but what could he have possibly have done differently in that situation? <laughs> like, nothing. Nothing. Yep. You sent a speeder bike through a window. Leave if I had known, I would have sent the speeder bike through a different window. Right? Obviously, I have total control over these things. I'm Corin Horn. I'm the best. I can control everything. <laughs> oh, he's so annoying. So finally, Corin tells Wedge that he saw Tycho talking to Lore five days ago, right in the same bar. 
Wedge tells him that's impossible because thank you, days, Wedge. Because thank five you. days ago, the barracks at Nokovisor were hit hard, and there were no survivors. Thank you, Wedge, for telling us that can't have been Tycho, cause he's dead. <laughs> Yay, White. What? <laughs> Yay. Oh, what? Oh wait. Nope. No. Nope. Ah, dang. Neither dang. of them are right. They can't be. Like, yeah, this is so wrong. Like. Tycho will be alive, but he is also not the spy. It's really weird right. that Wedge is wrong about something. I don't really know how to handle this, to be totally honest. I well, Wedge isn't there, Wedge so is it's my hard rock. for him. <laughs> He's everyone's if rock. Wedge is wrong. Funny. What else is wrong? What else has been a lie? Yeah. <laughs> it's all been a lie. They're not actually Rogue Squadron. <laughs> Bro, Jace is alive. What if he not is, really. though? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to that. Hold on to that. Back, I'm gonna be like, I knew it. Hold on to that. Hold on to that zombie, Lou Jane. Bro, Jace is the spy. Okay, it's Lou Jane. It's usually dead. <laughs> as much as I wish otherwise. We actually did like technically like see the body in that way. Yeah. Sorry, Seth. Yeah, it's true. Man. I know. I'm just gonna go cry. Bro, Jace is still out there though. Yep. He's Snoke. <laughs> Bro, Jace is Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> That's such news, a good guys. theory. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh my gosh. Corin, being the very sensitive man he is, briefly gives his condolences. <laughs> wait, wait, what was that sentence you just said? <laughs> Corin, being the reasonable man that he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <just> funny sentence. <laughs> so reasonable. Yes, about Whistler, who is a droid. Where even if he did get crushed, you can definitely put him back together. Not as much with a person. So, yep. thanks for your ten seconds of caring, Corin. <laughs> Wedge gets back to the mission and tells him that their new goal is to take down the shields in minimal time. Wedge brings Corin to a secret meeting between the alien combine, Black Sun, and the rogues. So, Asir, Iela, Fleary Voru, and Zekathine are there. Mm-hmm. Which, sure, that I don't even understand. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Why would they even invite Patches? Who was Fleary again? He's the moth. Um, who oh, used, right, yeah. He used to control Corellia and then was thrown into Kessel. Remember, the but, moth that we were like, if that guy gets too much power, he could be problematic. <laughs> yep, now he's in the meeting with them. Now he's Yay. in the meeting. I do understand Voru being in the meeting because he is the most he is the go-between between Black Sun and the rogues, but I do not understand why Patches is there. The last time we saw Patches, he literally tried to kill Corrin. <laughs> Yeah, which I don't fault him for. But he's Bring him not back. Guy, Bring him back. He's not a guy that you would want in your secret plan meeting. That's that's a bad move. I mean, I guess he has power within the Black Sun. Like he may not be the leader, but he's got power. But I mean, that's why Voro is there, anyways. Right? Yeah. It is so, a weird choice. <laughs> it's just bad, bad moves, bad moves all around. Corin is elated to see Yella again, because remember, they hadn't seen each other since they both left Corellia. They 
have a brief catching up period and we find out that she hasn't heard from her husband, Derek, for over a year after he was picked up in an Imperial sweep, which was when she joined the rebellion. And if you remember back into mission seven, Derricott's aide was named Derek. So there's that. Hmm. Hmm. I oh, I did not. I did not remember that. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's probably just important. a coincidence. I mean, the galaxy is huge, right? What are the odds? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a common name. Twelve people named Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, just, no, no, I'm afraid. Not thirteen. So Rogue Squadron, the Alien Combine, and Black Sun have to work together in order to make this plan happen. Vora points out that he and Black Sun don't have much motivation to cooperate. Vora would like clemency for his pe- for the people who helped the rebellion, or at least safe passage to a world of their choosing, specifically a world where he can be Moff again and rule. Wedge offers his personal guarantee that they won't be charged for crimes they commit while aiding them, but only for legitimate military targets. And he says, which just I thought this was dreamy, Wedge says, the streets start running with blood, and I'll burn your people down myself. <laughs> Dreamy, Mick. Dreamy. <laughs> I like the aggressiveness. Wedge isn't, like, super aggressive. I mean, I'm, I'm into it, too. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah, girl. You know. Yeah, I, I know. All the boys listening out there, this is apparently what we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Be righteous. That's what we like to see. <laughs> Be super righteous. We're into that. Super righteous. The plan, after, like, three pages of things that computers, I saw I just glaze over, the plan is to, <laughs> is to input some code on blank memory banks that go into the main computer place. And the memory banks are made in a factory on Invisex border, so it's all aliens working in there, and aliens who have ties to the Combine. They will... When that code gets into the main computer, it won't be recognized as something foreign. So the code will work and stay there and shoot the rebels the codes they need to take down the shields and security systems at will. This so, plan is super smart. Like, I'm computer. super into this. You're into a lot I of weird things at the moment, Saf. I mean, I'm not into it in that way, Daddy. I just... <laughs> It's, it's not bull stuff up, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very smart... Like, when they were originally, like, talking about how the computers work and everything, I was like, hmm, how are they... Are they actually going to get into that? Are they going to have to do something else? And when they start explaining it, I was like, that's... That's smart. That's very smart. Mm-hmm. And I like that all of them had a contribution to the plan, and... I like that they didn't make it so it was only the humans slash rogues who had these ideas of what to do with the computers, right? Like, a seer caught on and understood the plan without it being explained to her, which I was kind of worried that, like, you know, people do that when it's, like, aliens, like, oh, you don't know anything about this tech spy crap, where it's, no, they very much treated everybody like equals in that room, as far as, like, intelligence levels go. So, good job. And the last part of this chapter that's interesting was... Zekathine stepped out of line, and Moff Fleury Voru beat the crap out of him in, yep. like, 
three well-calculated, no-wasted energy moves. And it was terrifying. It was so good seeing that happen. Like, oh, yeah. I expected, like, Corrin or something to go into a fight with him. In fact, it was the moth was just like, man, shut up. You're so useless here, kind of thing. Like, stop praying. Right. And, and he just <laughs> took him right out. Sorry, Danny. He's like, learn some manners. He's like, we're evil, but we don't have to be. Okay, we're just going full out chopper. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're forgiven. He's a jerk. He's a straight up jerk. So that was that chapter. <laughs> We're rocking the, the transitions today. Yep. I used them all last episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we were on our peak transition game last week. We're taking a week off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're allowed a break. break. The next chapter is chapter 31. Yes. And now, it is. the Rogue Leader will tell us about what happened in chapter 31. And we will occasionally <laughs> interject with our thoughts. And laughter. So the group will meet back in two days to see how they're playing. <laughs> And Lore realizes that, oh my gosh, he was a fool to use Zekathine. He got some useful information at, from that first meeting. He got to know that, you know, the alien combine is involved, that Moff Fleury Vero is involved. He knew he got to know that, that they're planning, you know, a strike at the shields. However, though, because Fleury Vero beat him up, he totally forgot about the part that had the actual plan involved in it. So the rogues are safe for now. I, I really loved that. <laughs> he just got a concussion and forgot everything. Oops. So, so where's the information I need? Uh, I got punched. <laughs> right, but what's I the guess. plan for Rogue Squadron? Uh, An old guy Merrick is kind of hot. Right. I am not very... I didn't think I would like this moth guy, but just this one thing he's done has just been amazing, and I, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> Pretty good so far. Yeah, he's doing good. Yeah. And we find out that Zekka's only been given odd jobs that anybody could do, and they aren't specific just to him. Other people are also doubling up on these same jobs. So nothing that Lore could glean from him is especially useful. So we, we figure out that the rogues and Black Sun don't know that he's working for Lore because he'd be dead if so. But they know they don't trust him. So not the best informant you could ever have. But his other informant is also not doing a good job. So the spy in Rogue Squadron is so isolated and doing their own individual tasks that he can't have a he doesn't have a picture of what's going on as a whole. And the only solace he finds is that the planning is taking a while, and it looks like he'll meet at least his two-week time period. So I said probably won't be in that. <laughs> right, <Sassy. clears throat> wow. Wow, Danny. <laughs> what was that? It, it's Rosati. Rosati Ener. In, oh, he, yeah, her last name. Ener. I was like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I thought he was like considering that I saw it was Rosati or something. I was like, what's happening? What if she was? Have you never seen them in the same room? Oh my god, we haven't. <laughs> haven't. I mean, I can't argue with that. We haven't seen them in the same room. It's true. The good theories coming out of They're me. both slender. Oh. Hey. Huh. I mean, so is Merrick. So we just don't know. Oh my gosh. gosh. That all doesn't really women are down. ice hard. <laughs> what if they're all ice hard? <laughs> all of the ice women are just, just like playing just 17 a... different people. 
<laughs> yeah. She's it's like constantly like, changing like... outfits. All of the women are actually each other, and this is just a giant fever dream of Corrin. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I started to slept with Corrin like seven different times as seven different people at this point. Oh, God. <laughs> we don't know that she has him actually, though, is the thing. That might that might come out at some point. Which, by the way, do we know that Isard is human? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. We sure do. I can see we were trying to go with that, Danny, though. <laughs> That'd be amazing, but no, she's she's human. Let's see, where was I? Oh, yes. So he assumes, once again, that the rebels' attentions will be on the shields, since you can't take Coruscant without ground troops. He still can't figure out how they could possibly do that, though, because all of his ideas about blowing stuff up, he's like, oh, that doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't, and they're not doing that, so haha. Laura's success is merely just keeping the rogues from succeeding long enough. So, dream big, buddy. Dream big. And that was kind of a useless chapter, but... Well, what told us was that Dickathine was useless in the end. Right, which we all knew, because he's a pile of garbage, so... (laughs) Yeah, basically. Giant pile of trash. He's just... He's a feline pile of trash. But which it is got just, us to the grand finale. It did, which I'm so glad it ended on this chapter. I did not do this intentionally when I divided up the chapters, but I'm glad I did it this way. I'm so glad. So glad. So chapter 32 is Dr. Corrin's... What did I say? I already forgot. <laughs> Something really good, I forget too. I don't know, Dr. Corrin's Love Corner or something like that. <laughs> something that we're probably going to write a fan fiction about. Should we just jump and right into it here? Yeah, let's just, let's just do it. <clears throat> What's your question? On Tatooine, well, in Anchorhead, well, in the area around the farm, it was small, and so we didn't have a school the way you did on Corellia. See, we, we all took classes via local holo and sent lessons in on data cards, you know. Gavin, are you trying to tell me you don't know how to kiss a girl? Anchorhead may have been small, but not that small. Kin don't count. (laughs) 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 Corin, what are you doing? Okay. (laughs) I wasn't related to everyone around there, you know. I know, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. What is it you want to know? Well, you've been around a lot, and you come from Corellia. You've seen, you know, two people get together, but they're different, right? Do you mean like Arisi and me? We come from different worlds, but we're both human, though we haven't gone together. No, I, I mean like Noara and Rosati. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Exotic and different can be very attractive, Gavin. There are some folk who absolutely draw the line on dating outside their species, while there are others who seem to be interested in experiencing anything and everything they can. I guess I just don't think it's wrong, but it just may not be right. I don't think I follow you. I wasn't very clear. Look, would you like to have children someday? Have a family? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What if the person you fall for isn't capable of having children with a human? I would... well, uh... I don't know. There are other problems, too. And we're not talking about the possible difficulties and danger of making love, either. Dangers? Sure. Suppose the person you're with is used to giving and getting gentle little love nips with ten centimeter long teeth. <laughs> Your hide isn't as thick as a Gamorrean's, so you'd be leaking. 
I hadn't thought about that. Also, who would have? I mean, I don't think that will be a problem. Some species don't live as long as we do. Though amid present company, life expectancy isn't that big an issue. There are a lot of things you've got to take into consideration, Gavin, but it pretty much boils down to the same thing relationships between humans do. If you and the other person get along, problems can be worked out. So have you ever, you know... Has Corin ever what? Nothing, Yella. The look on Gavin's face doesn't suggest it was nothing, Corsac. Come on, Corin. There's not much you haven't done. (laughs) (laughs) This is so absurd. I love it. There's six lines. Uh, 249, I wanted to know if he'd ever dated... It's Gavin. Oh. I wanted to know if he'd ever dated someone who wasn't human. Well, there were plenty of women he dated who weren't human. In in spirit, that is. (laughs) (laughs) But why bring the back to clean into this? Hey, I never dated Erisay. No, you just pretended to be her quaddy impregnator, then kissed her in full view of the Grand Hall of the the Galaxy in the Imperial Palace. Clearly no relationship there at all. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) The way you tell it, I might have actually had fun. You always did complain about the easiest duty, Horn. (laughs) Believe me, I'd shake Turtle Rulewar over Erisi gladly. Oh, that's interesting. What's Chertal really war? Sounds Salonian. It is. Tell them, Corin. No, no. You tell them. You tell them better. You sure you don't mind? If I have to be mortified, I prefer not to do it myself. This sounds wonderful. Go ahead. <laughs> He'll survive it. True. It's not like it's the first time he's heard this. Chertel Rulawar was a female Salonian who had been sent to our unit to get some training. It was a cultural exchange program. She was tall, at least two meters, and slender, of course, because she's in this galaxy. Salonians They're are, always slender. They're always slender, Corin. You do have a type. Salonians are all very yep. lithe, and she was covered with relatively short black fur that glistened a silver blue when the light hit it right. Definitely gorgeous. Definitely humanoid. But definitely not human. The annual Corsac Awards Ball was coming up, and she didn't know anyone. Salonians tend to be a very private sort of people, and the only ones you see in public are sterile females. They run things in their society and maintain a family unit with fertile males and females, but she was all alone. The unattached male officers in our branch put together a pool to see who would take Shirtil to the celebration. Each man was required to buy a ticket for five credits, and the winner, whom everyone considered a loser, would get the pot to compensate for the evening. It sound, It strikes me that the whole process was the wrong way around. The awards ball pool is a tradition dating from a time when the director had a daughter who, as decorum dictated, could not go to the ball unescorted. The director refused to order someone to ask her to go, though he did order participation in the pool. Most years, the prize is someone in the squad who has volunteered to be one, with the money going to the survivors and orphans fund. This year, though, the prize was Shirtill, and she knew nothing about it. Most everyone who knew what was going on thought it was barbaric, but they hid behind tradition. And Corrin won, right? You could say that. What he did was talk to the women who really wanted to go to the ball with the other officers and gave them the impression that the whole thing had been rigged. Whatever ticket their guy had would be selected as the winning ticket. The whole way their man could get out of winning would be to get out of the pool. 
When pressed, Corrin allowed that he could be bribed into taking on just one more ticket, but it would have to be a secret. The woman pressured their men to get Corrin to take their tickets. By the time the pool winner was chosen, Corrin had all the tickets. Quite enterprising, sir. Well, I knew I'd be miserable because of how my life was going at the time, so I saw no reason for anyone else to be away from the person they wanted to be with. But you did something noble. That's good. (laughs) It gets better, Mirax. Corrin gave the pool and the bribes to the fund, then went all out and showed Shirtle the time of her life. He hired a repulsor limo, found out what kind of flowers were considered appropriate by Salonians, and flew out in his X-Wing to the only import florist on Corellia who had them in bloom to get them. He even got a new formal dress uniform tailored up for the occasion, and he proved he cleans up very well. For her part, Shirtle was nothing short of stunning. She had that long, sleek physique that enabled her to wear a slinky gown over which light slithered. She wore a necklace of silver and aquamarine and a bracelet to match that looked like light playing across her fur. Every woman who saw her was instantly jealous, and Corrin was the envy of all the men. And to make it worse, they actually enjoyed each other's company. That was about six months after his father's death, and things had been rough for Corrin, so the whole situation seemed perfect, and I clearly have no boundaries. <laughs> she, you, you remember a lot about this girl, Iella. You remember a lot. I was paying very close attention. <laughs> it was great. So what happened? Spare the salacious details, please. You can elaborate privately another time, Iella. Though Shirtle <laughs> was infertile, it didn't mean she was incapable. <laughs> Apparently she had enjoyed the evening as much as Corrin had, and they continued to celebrate after they left the ball. Is that circumspect enough for you? It will do. Was it... Bitter. Then what? Imagine finding a pile of rocks, <laughs> deciding to throw them out, dropping one, and having it split open to reveal a Corsa gem embedded in the middle. Oh my. And for each stone after that, the Corsa gem is more lustrous and beautiful than the one before it. I see. Very special indeed. And each of those stones, when fitted together, creates a brilliant, exquisitely carved sculpture. Okay, I've got the hologram digitized and analyzed here, Corin. Thank you so much for that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, if it was all great and special and full of gems and rainbows and all that, how come you're here and not in some den on Salonia? Well... There was one very little, very microscopic problem. <laughs> it just... The, the chemistry wasn't right. <laughs> that is such a good pun, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it was perfect to me. Gross. Personal chemistry, yes. Gavin was perfect. Personal biochemistry was mm. not, however. The reason the lucky charm Corrin wears is on a gold chain is because his sweat is acidic enough to tarnish something like silver. It's within normal range for a human, mind you, but just on the acidic end. Again, we got to know each other very well on Corsic. And that was sufficient <laughs> to get through the waxy surface on Turtle's fur and irritate her skin. And as it turned out, Corn was mildly allergic to her fur. <laughs> it was much like being sunburned all over. For the both of us. Ugh, and you mean all over. That's horrible. All over. <laughs> Everywhere. Okay, Corin. <laughs> unfortunately that's life there you have it kid my advice see what happens it can't hurt except for in rare cases like mine 
Thanks. I'll take your advice, if you'll excuse me. Good luck, Gavin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Gavin? <laughs> he, your Gavin voice is really cute. It's Thank so you. Cute. Thank you. Uh, I, just, I love how much Iyella noticed about Chertle. Ch- I forgot her name. Like, so, um, but I secretly ship Chertle and Iyella now. Yeah, oh. and and just so people oh. people are clear, because Danny was a little concerned about this, we're not make we're not laughing because he was with a non-human. We are laughing because first Corin gives some really great advice to Gavin, like it's actually very smart and very thought out and honest. But then he goes and does the chorus Gadem thing, and it's just like, God damn it, Corin, why do you have to do that? Yeah, I, I have to say, the first time I read it, I was kind of like. I don't, I mean, this just seems like normal chord, but having read it out loud with you all now, like, this scene is hilarious. It's so absurd. I also just love the mental image. I love the mental image of Corin, like, all dressed up really dapper, standing next to this really, like, gorgeous, giant otter woman in this lovely dress. Like, it's such a great mental image. (laughs) Right? It's just... I want to hug a giant otter woman so bad, oh my god. And of course, it was a slender otter woman. Of course, course she was slender. I can't believe every single alien, even the otter woman, are slender. (laughs) They're like, oh, we met a Gamorian the other day. It was a very slender Gamorian. Oh my god. It's like, come on, stop it. But it's just Corin, Corin Horn. So the conversation that kicked this all off, though, is is intriguing to me as well. Why why is Gavin wondering about this? Did uh, Lady yeah, Bothan give him some confusing feelings? She sure is. Yeah. Are we shipping Gavin with Assyria? I yes, super. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's why. Why not? <laughs> why not? Let's do it. Um. I, I was hoping it was him with, like, he was having a crush on the Wolfman. On Shield? That's what I wanted. And then I clicked that it was the Botham Lady. I was like, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I like how your first mindset was, like, gay. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're such cute besties. And, like, I want them to be gay so much. So, of course, my first thought, like, it's, non-human, it's alien. This is the it's 90s. Be they weren't gay people yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. We weren't existent until the Didn't exist. Right. But also, like, for me, for Gavin and Shield's relationship, for me, Gavin was always the big brother in his family. And so I think he probably enjoys being a little brother when it comes to Shield, to where he's the one who's being protected and looking out for, right? Um, because, like, he could have gotten that in Biggs a little bit, but their age was so different, right, that it didn't quite turn out that way. So... That is so cute. I think Gavin, being a good older brother, probably really enjoys having a good older brother looking out for him. There are my Gavin feels. <laughs> Gavin but feels. yeah, Corin Corin mentions in the chapter in the in the exposition that from the looks that they've been giving each other over the past few days, that he does think it's a seer that he kind of has eyes for. I wish luck which, to Gavin, but I also wish he didn't have a crush on a Botham. Yeah. But, you know, she seems she cool. almost killed him. He saved her. She saved him. A lot of things yeah. happened. She seems like a cool Bothan, so, you know. Yeah. There are there are two Bothans from memory who I really enjoy and who are not terrible. 
Um, Asir is one of them. Yay! I mean, I still wish it was Shield, but that's just me I know, dreaming. That's fair. That's fair. I'm you always going to dream about the about that. Yeah. So that was that was beautiful. But that's the chapter that we ended on. That very beautiful chapter. And yes. Yay! Yay! Romance. <laughs> this is this is what we're here for. This is why we read these books. This Speaking... is absolutely. Speaking of adult romance with otter women, we asked you all a question last week. And that question was, what's... What? Just a normal question from Rogue Padres. (laughs) What is your dream photo for the Rogue Squadron swimsuit calendar? And we got some amazing responses. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Austin said that for the month of December, he would want Gavin on Tatooine sitting under a Christmas tree opening a toy X-Wing with a big childish grin, but of course he's in his shirtless model pose. <laughs> Austin, Make I never imagined this, this from you. <laughs> yeah, it so makes me uncomfortable. It's, it's so amazing. It's so good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> under a Christmas tree. <laughs> oh Re- my gosh. Raising Fangirls said, My first pick was Jaina Solo, but in this Rogue Squad, June, my birthday month, and Rosati washing in the X-Wing. It's good. It's classic. Jaina Solo does become part of Rogue Squadron later on in New Jedi Order. So. Whoa, spoilers. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I'm <laughs> that's not, that's not the big spoiler in NJO, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah said Winter and Tycho, and then sent us some images that I can put on our Tumblr for y'all to see. <laughs> Glistening pecs. <laughs> so I'm sorry, what that's, now? <laughs> that is the name of the user who submitted this answer to us. Glistening pecs said name. he would like to see Tycho as Poe Dameron in that scene where Finn rescues him except shirtless. Then Wedge as Poe Dameron in that he's posing by his X-Wing except shirtless. <laughs> And then he clarified, basically just every month as Poe Dameron, except shirtless. <laughs> I love this. Which so is much. fitting, just, given that it came from Glistening Pecs. Just thank you, Glistening Pecs. Just do it. Get it done. Sarah Dempster said M-Tray winking, which I don't want to think or talk about. <laughs> number what? one. My okay, but not one. just M-Tray winking, but like laying on a bed with like a flower right. in his mouth. Right. Yeah. And like graphic one, flowers, and from angles, he like winks. Ugh, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. You love it, you mean? Nancy said Whistler. That's really funny, and I hope you all get the pun. I don't. I don't either. Because <laughs> like wolf whistles, Explain, Danny. when people are posing sexy. Uh, uh yeah, that's good. By, like, that's good. I don't know. Maybe Nancy didn't even me. I don't know. That's what I thought. <laughs> maybe Nancy's just hot for droids. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> don't mind me. I'm just overthinking the Rogue Squadron calendar. It's all good. Who are we to judge? It's true. Seriously, who are we to judge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we have very little room tagline. with which. <laughs> Rogue Padron, who are we to judge? <laughs> 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 
Yes, Rogue Quadrant, come get appropriately weird with us. Who are we to judge? <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> even though we literally started the episode with 10 minutes judging people, but it's all good. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Luke Brywalker said, for any month, I'm sure Corrin would like Ersi and Murex washing his X-Wing in bikinis, because of course he would. Of course he would. Of course he would. Brian said, Wedge and Tycho would strategically place Starfighter helmets and nothing else. <laughs> and, then, and then added that Corrin's answer would be Corrin on every month. Yes. Wow, Corrin. Ersi would get that calendar. With maybe a nice late fall Salonian slipped in somewhere. <laughs> Jay said Borsk makes drama about how a beach trip shows Moncal bias and Kithrier performs near deadly volleyball spikes. Jay. <laughs> really good. That wasn't the question, Jay. Yeah, we had we had to bully Jay a little bit. We did have to bully him. And then eventually he said the Provisional Council and all their space political glory, is that what you wanted to hear, Padron? Yes, it, it is, is what we wanted to hear, Jay. Exactly what we wanted to hear. Thank you, Exactly what we wanted. Mediocre Jedi said, Evan in her heyday, Kara Thrace, is that a hey. possibility? And the Bishujo Jana Solo. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I'm so keen for Evan. One for three so, on this one. So the... Um, the Kotobukiya, which is a, a collectible maker, they mm-hmm. have a Bashojo line for different things, and so there's statues that are the Bashojo blank. And so there's Bashojo Jana Solo, Bashojo Mara Jade. Bashojo okay. in Japanese means beautiful girl. Gotcha. Okay. So it, yeah, so it's they're very ac- cutesy. That's an actual thing. So if I Google Bush- if you Bushojo, Google Bashojo Jana Solo, you'll see exactly what the statue thing. is. Okay, I'm doing. I'm going to do that right now. I think he included that picture that's in this tweet, didn't he? Yeah, he included he he included pictures. Was that one of them? I think that yeah. Was... yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the oh, dance. Okay. Yeah. okay, thank you, mediocre Jedi, for including images like we strongly encouraged. I also very much appreciate the mention of Ivan because she is yes. the best. She's pretty. She's pretty fly. Hey. hey. Oh, I got it. I made a joke. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was a good pun as well. I'm glad you got your joke. <laughs> yes. Ian Miller said. M. Trey would have his own page for December with all of his <laughs> casings off. <laughs> oh, no. I swear that him winking. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> this is so amazing. And then he also added that Whistler downloaded it illegally, which is really funny. And then secretly, Hiram off Mantuin Mantuin Third has Tycho's pages signed and framed. Uh, <laughs> oh, some character development there on Mantuin Mantuin. Who wouldn't have those signed I and framed? I love it. <laughs> um, Ian, I love your commitment to Moff Mantuin Mantuin Third. It's really Hire Moff. Hire Moff. Hire. Sorry. 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 Ben I... said, "Go ahead." I hope by the end of us recording, like, all of Rogue Podrin, we'll have learnt, like, Hyamoth Mentoing Mentoing the Third's entire right. life story. I we'll hope enough for a book. I know, I hope he starts appearing in other listeners' fanfics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the ultimate goal, I think. Yes. Ben said he would like to see Corn in his flight suit like a firefighter, fingering his lucky medallion, overthinking everything. And Ben included an image of a firefighter shirtless from a calendar. Well done, Ben. Thank you, guys. <laughs> that so makes me so uncomfortable. 
This was the best question we've ever asked. <laughs> I'm so glad we asked this question. <laughs> Jonathan Nerf Baker said, My rogue swimsuit calendar would be Gavin becoming progressively more embarrassed each month by women crushing on him. Yes. <laughs> I also imagine that he's losing more clothes as you get later into the year. Yeah, yeah. And like that's also embarrassing him. Yep. Yeah. Pretty good. Good and then, finally, Sarah wrote a fanfic. Oh my gosh! About the rogues, like on set for the calendar photo shoot, which is just amazing. Which um, means you all have a new bar that you have to reach for now. So, <laughs> yeah, Sarah so, wrote fanfic inspired by our podcast, which is awesome. Um, let me, there was one bit I wanted to read from it. Let me pull it uh, I'm so proud of us. It's this, so this good. This is how we know we've made it. Yeah, yep. exactly. I've never been more proud of anything I've ever done than this rogue, <laughs> than this than rogue Potter. I'm just going to read the opening paragraph, and then she had posted this on her Tumblr, so I'm going to reblog it to the Rogue Pod Tumblr. I'll also so that, include a link in the show notes. Yeah, so that everyone can read this masterpiece. Um, So I'm going to read the first paragraph from The Rogue Squadron Calendar Swimsuit Edition. No, you listen, Wedge finally snapped, irritation clear in his voice. This is a brand new squadron. My pilots have only known each other for a few weeks. We should be training, not... He broke off, spinning around and pushing away the A determinedly misting him with oil. It gets better from there, so <laughs> definitely, definitely go read that. It's and some great wonderful. cameo appearances by some of our dearly departed rogue friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's alive in this fanfic, which is great. It's some more beautiful kind of fanfic. I guess she, I guess she didn't explicitly say that Lujane was alive. She was just there. <laughs> so zombie Lujane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so was Pashk. Pesk? Yeah. Who's the boffin? Yeah. Pesk. Pesk and Dorney. So. And then we had one other random awesome fan comment this week that I wanted to read. Andrew tweeted at us, My wife is going to get annoyed because I'm laughing with my headphones on at R-rated naps and the soft 80s saxophone <laughs> music. <laughs> <laughs> I truly think Mission 2-7 was the best thing we've ever done. It was great. Yeah. It was great. We have Although, I don't know. peak, we're jumping the shark this week, and that's it for Rogue Podron. Yeah. <laughs> From now on, whenever someone mentions us, you'll roll your eyes and be like, I listened to them when they used to be good. Oh. Before they just... To us even when we're bad. Before they read full chapters out loud. <laughs> right. They literally stopped discussing the book, they just read it to us. <laughs> you needed to oh, hear God. it out loud. You really did, though, is the thing. Yeah, it really needed. It needed to be said aloud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for this week's question, we are asking, who is more infuriating, Corin Horn or Kirtan Lore? And why? And why? Right, let's settle this once and for all. <laughs> who are we rolling our eyes more hard, more harder, harder at? I don't. I don't understand how the answer can't be Corin Horn after that chapter we just read aloud. Uh, I mean, Corin is infuriating. He's like 50% on the ball, is the problem. <laughs> He's so close. 
But then that also makes it worse. That other that other fifty percent is so bad though. <laughs> Laura's just like a constant disappointment. Right. Yeah, no, that's Laura's predictable. Like, is and Laura is just disappointing. <laughs> Like, Lore's not really infuriating, he's just kind of like, Ugh, why are you still doing this? Why are you still assuming these things, even after I you're just like, I'm not going to assume anymore, but I'm going to assume this. I don't understand how Kirtan Lore hasn't been killed yet. <laughs> how is he still alive in this universe? How is he still alive? <laughs> how do you even make it off Corellia? I have just so many questions, not unanswered. We need that Kirtan Lore <laughs> prequel book. Yeah, like Tarkin, but Kirtan. Oh god, please no. He probably <laughs> wow. You responded weirdly positively to that idea. <laughs> I actually never want to have to read that, ever. <laughs> that would be so Get boring. It. Oh, it's gonna be so boring. I mean, I don't know. Like, Kirtan, it makes me mad that I have to, like, read chapters about him. Because he just is so useless, and... Just hasn't done anything worthwhile at all. Like, in good or bad, he just has done nothing. Because even the things that, um, you know, that are getting, like, Coronel riled up are things that were orchestrated by Isard. He is absolutely just a pawn in everything. So I feel like I'm just wasting my time when I read stuff about him. Like, I'd rather read things about Derekot, even though he's awful and terrible. At least he's something. Oh, burn carrot and lore. At least yeah. he's something. Yeah. Wow. It's true. Yeah. Lore is nothing. Right. Nothing. Yeah, my answer is corn for like that reason. You don't expect anything from Kirtan, so it's hard to be f- like infuriated by him. It's just like, oh, here comes Kirtan again. Whereas corn is just like the literal worst. Corn is. <laughs> Oh, frustrating because he'll be so good. He'll say something. You're like, yeah, Corin, you're growing as a person. And then, like three seconds later, he'll be like, oh, but I'm going to do something stupid instead. And I'm like, no, you were so close. You're <laughs> See, but this is thirty-two close. for more. On that. This is all still about Corin, right? Like when chapter thirty-two started, I legitimately thought it was going to be a really good chapter about Corin giving like legitimate non-sex advice of some kind to Gavin and like seeing some sort of relationship form there and like seeing growth from Gavin finally. But instead we get like this college bro story about Corin and ugh. Nope. And like he was lovely in the story, which was super nice, but also like <laughs> why did he have to do the, the but, sex thing? I mean it's also tainted because, you know, at the begin at the begin when e- El is telling the story about you know, how he bought all the tickets, he admits that, well, I was going to be miserable anyway, so I just wanted the humans to all be with the humans they wanted to be with. Well, and yeah. also the fact that they were auctioning off a date with this girl, with I assume she was not in the know about this. So she was not aware. Just, there's so much about this that's just, like, creepy fraternity bro core, and I'm just like, well, yeah. buddy. This is why... I'm going to cosplay Lady Cora into Celebration, and I'm going to have a Letterman jacket, and I'm going to be such a jock! Yes! I think you mean a Space Letterman yes. jacket. Yes! Yeah, it's going to be Can a Rogue Oh my god, please be my Mirax. Say, please be your Mirax. Please be my Mirax. I'm going to have a Rogue Squadron Letterman. This will be so amazing! <laughs> god, I, I hope we get to live podcast at Celebration, and we can all be 
in ridiculous costumes and drinking Mon Calaritas and getting getting X Wing tattoos. (laughs) Like while while we're talking, just like bring the tattoo artist in. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of feel like we're all Corin right now though in this description of us. A little bit. (laughs) The first time we see each other, let's have lots of drinks and get tattoos, guys. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. None of us are everybody like, will be everybody will know about it. None of us are like wishing we could sleep with each other and thinking about our dad instead. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that would have just been followed by a really long, awkward silence. <laughs> what do you mean nobody Oh oh we're not? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's awkward. I think I need to leave now. Okay, outro time. Please. Please <laughs> miss that memo. <laughs> Please outros. <laughs> Like I said, Rogue Potter just got really weird. Yeah, we got we got a, a inappropriately weird potentially. Yeah, like so much so the editor might even cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll know forever. It's fine. Bye. So, if you want to answer our question this week about who was more infuriating, and you want to tell us why we're wrong, our Twitter is at Rogue Podron. Our email is roguepod at farfarawayradio.com. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com, which is where you can find the fanfic if you want to read more of it, because it sounds like it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to read it right after this. And you can also subscribe to us via the Far Far Away radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and Feedburner. So next time, only three missions to go before we finish X-Wing Wedge's Gamble. Be prepared to read chapters... stalling? Chapters 33 through 37. And with that, this is Rogue Podron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Quick, give me a topic to make up for intros. Um, Rogue Squadron calendar? Beach calendar? That's not intros, Danny. Sure it is. Bakery food. If we were on the Rogue Squadron beach calendar, what would we be doing? Oh. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> good job, Danny. Danny, that you're good. an idiot. Oh, no. But actually, it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>
When did you eat a spider? Hey, I was eating future. grapes off my grapevine, and there was a very tiny spider in one of the grapes, and I ate it. Ugh. Getting protein no, it from insects is so much more sustainable than livestock. It, it is, fear, but spiders are terrifying. terrifying. That's why you eat good them. <laughs> Tell that spider who's No, lost. I don't want to eat the spider. What the leg? Grind it up into a powder first. It's fine. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Like I've eaten like cricket flour and stuff. That's fine. That's a thing. I would eat that. Mm-hmm. 